you got your Bibles, amen, and I'm sure that you do. Well, I enjoyed waving that this morning on, uh, what's the name of that song? I can't think of that. Hold the Fort. Man, I like that. First time I remember hearing that, I, uh, I'm stacking, stacking hymn books in here. <laughs> uh, Prayer Baptist Church, mm, I believe the, the Puffers, am I saying your last name right? Yes, amen. Uh, for whatever reason, I remember that meeting, I'm sure prayer saying it many other times, but that meeting, you know, remember, God, I remember I was like 11, 12, uh, singing, hold the fort, for I am coming, and everyone holding up their Bibles, that is awesome, that is just awesome. John chapter 18, Mark chapter 1. John chapter 18, Mark chapter 1. Amen. Well, we serve a good God, don't we? John chapter 18, Mark chapter 1. Here, this context of Scripture that we're going to start with, this is Jesus standing before Pilate. He is innocent as a lamb brought to the slaughter. And if we could just imagine with our mind's eye, I know we all have good imaginations, there's an angry mob outside of the window. Pilate and Jesus are having a conversation, although it's really just Pilate talking to Jesus mostly. There's an angry mob out the window screaming and yelling. And we've seen on TV, especially in the last number of years, we've seen riots over the years, uh, what angry mobs look like. They, get, they, they just get ugly and wicked and, and vile. And they get so worked up like... Like when we went through uh, Paul's missionary journeys, how the, the, there were these certain people who, the chief priests, the religious crowd, would work up the people and get them all worked up just to make a scene. Right? We see that same thing again today. We, it came, the thought crossed our mind, how could people get so worked up over something? Well, they got worked up on purpose. It's by design. Amen. That's what's happening that's the backdrop of the music, uh, if you will, that, that Jesus can hear is a bunch of whole, a bunch of religious crowds screaming, "Crucify him!" John chapter eighteen, verse thirty-three. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, "Art thou the King of the Jews?" Verse thirty-six. Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world." If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. And to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus just said in an old-timey way, yeah, I'm the king. You just said I was, and I'm agreeing with you. Verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? 
And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault, uh, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Pilate's kind of looking for a way out for Jesus at this point. He's kind of offering, he's saying, I don't find no fault in him, uh, angry mob. Wouldn't it make sense to let him go? He called him king of the Jews. Keep in mind, there's mockery in that statement. Yes, there's a, a measure of um, Pilate knew that he was innocent. But he didn't call him king of the Jews out of reverence. No, sir. Verse 40. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And this bothered me. I was reading this this afternoon, reading it over and over. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Pilate knew he was innocent. Look at verse 2. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Brother Jim Vipon, I'd be honored if you'd open this message in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Amen. Jump to verse uh, 17. John chapter 19, verse 17. We'll continue reading. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. You know, we talk about it, and we've all been there. We'll all be there again, but we talk about it like you read something all your life and you never see it. It's as if I never saw in my entire life, growing up in church, that Pilate is the one that wrote that. We read it all the time. But it it just stuck out with me, Pilate wrote that. Pilate found no fault in him at all. Verse 20. This title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. (laughs) Jesus told Pilate that he was a king and that he had a kingdom. 
and specifically that he had a kingdom not of this world. What exactly does that mean? Turn to Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1. And if, you, and if you're quick on your feet, also turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be there in a moment. Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 6. I've got two points this evening, and I'm pretty sure we'll be a lot shorter than this morning. I, you know, I shoot for 30. Rachel said I was like 30, 40 minutes and some seconds. Wow. Uh, wow. Amen. Two points. Number one, the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom of heaven. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. There's so much there. There's some people that would say the gospel didn't start till after the cross. Then what was Jesus preaching and all the disciples the whole time? But what was Jesus preaching? He was preaching the kingdom of God. Verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So here we have Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Telling people that they must believe the gospel. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I was showing Jimmy and Brother Jimmy and Miss Carrie some studying things this afternoon and I was showing them the concordance. I mean, you could take any word and you can look up every word in the Bible. And this is one of the things that I did yesterday and today, looking up kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. You want to know what something means? Look it up and study it. It, it is weariness of the flesh, I promise you. But boy, it sure is uh, encouragement in the spirit. Woo! What did I tell you? Matthew 6, 33. Jesus himself said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So let's just recap for a moment. Jesus said that the kingdom is not of this world. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. And Jesus told us specifically to first, before anything else, before anything else, first thing you've got to do is seek the kingdom of God. We'll turn a few more times, and we won't be long, so bear with me. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And if you want to, Luke 17. Romans 14 and Luke 17. Amen. Miss Aaron's been doing such a wonderful job back there on the media. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Paul describes the kingdom of God as not physical. He's making it really clear. It also says that the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. That's more informative, but... That verse alone doesn't seem to tell us all of it, so what do we do? We find more verses that talk about the kingdom of God. Look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom 
of God is within you. Just for um, the crowd that thinks out there's different salvations, I'd just like to point out that he said the kingdom of God is within you. Not will be one day, but is within you. So what's in every believer? What do we know as Bible believers? What's in every believer? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. Man, that's our, that's our earnest, man. That's our uh, proof of purchase, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so if the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit within us, then, then, then that means what? The kingdom of God is spiritual. The kingdom of God is spiritual. And the kingdom of God is synonymous with the Holy Spirit, which is synonymous for our salvation. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to turn a couple more times, and then we'll close. We won't be long. <clears throat> you, start, I, I, you start looking up kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, and all of a sudden um, you start seeing it in places that you may not realize it was there. I just didn't realize uh, uh, that Jesus talked about it talking to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is synonymous with salvation. It's synonymous with the Holy Spirit. It's spiritual. It's not physical. It's not meat and drink. It is spiritual. A mutual friend of mine and Brother Jim Vipons is Brother Joe Dalmage, a dear friend that I highly look up to. He gave a great analogy for the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like air. You can't see it, but it's accomplishing a whole lot of things at the same time. You can't touch it, but you can feel it. You can't, you can't uh, see it, but you can see the effects of it. It's all around you and to the believers in you. If there's no air in you, then you're dead. And so is the Holy Spirit. If it's not within you, you are absolutely dead spiritually. Amen. You're not far, John 3, 8. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear it the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That means that I'm part of the kingdom of God because I am born uh, again. Amen. I thank God for the salvation of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed for the sins of all mankind. Uh, past, present, and future. Amen. The kingdom of God is within me. Can I tell you, it keeps me alive. Because without it, I, I'd be dead completely spiritually. Amen. Number one, the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom of heaven. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, and we'll, we'll end in the book of Matthew this evening. Our media ladies can find encouragement or discouragement uh, with the messages. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, Rachel, th- this, this, uh, this morning, I was on page two or three, and it was like five till already. She may not have been so encouraged. Where Miss Aaron sees that uh, I'm uh, halfway through page three, and I only got a little bit on page four left. So she's probably encouraged. Amen. Amen. Number one, the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom of heaven. This is really interesting. 
The term kingdom of heaven, as far as I can tell, is only found in the book of Matthew. I, I didn't expect to see that. And if I'm seeing that right, that, that I, if it's anywhere else, let me know. But I could not find it. It's mentioned 32 times, kingdom of heaven, just in the book of Matthew. But the term kingdom of God is found a total of 69 times all throughout Scripture. Can I say in short that the kingdom of God is spiritual, where the kingdom of heaven is physical? While they both uh, at times have similar qualities and clearly intertwine, they're still completely different and separate. I've used this analogy many times, but it fits. It's like dating and courting. I always have to use my brain to say this right. You can date without courting, but you can't court without dating. Oh, they intertwine all over the place, but they are separate. That's like the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Amen. So as, we're, as, you, as you, we, and you study scriptures on your own, now when you read kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, you might start to think differently about it, not just in generic senses. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Let's just shotgun some of these. Uh, this is Jesus speaking, of course. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Five ten. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Notice that a place. Talking about a place. Matthew uh, 8, 11, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Talking about a physical place. Twenty five thirty one. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Amen. Uh, verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Verse 33. And he shall set up Set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left, verse 34. Then shall, look at this, the king saying to them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The king said it's a place. Notice he's talking to already, they're already born again. Now he's saying, look at the kingdom that you've inherited. The kingdom of heaven is physical. I didn't notice this until I was about done with my lesson. And we're about done as it is. We'll be done in just a couple minutes. Well, I sure got excited. I even highlighted it. And Jesus said, then shall the king send them on his right hand. You know, it wasn't too long after that when Jesus was crucified. I mean, like, I, I, I didn't take the time to study it, but I don't think it was days. It, it might have been hours. Like, Jesus was crucified quite quickly after saying this. That'd be a good study for somebody. Go study it out and let me know. Amen. That'd be encouraging. But here is Jesus saying the king shall stand them on his right hand, knowing full well that he was going to be marked as the king of the Jews. Mm. The same words that Pilate etched out over his head, attempting to mock him, but really it was an absolute marker of truth. The king of the Jews. They meant it for mockery, but man, that's our king. That's our savior, man. 
as a Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit-filled child of God, I can tell you that I am part of the kingdom of God. And I will one day see the physical kingdom of heaven that God has prepared for me. You will never see the kingdom of heaven if you aren't part of the kingdom of God. And I just literally now realize this, and I didn't mean to, but um, this morning I was preaching our physical affects the spiritual and the spiritual affects the physical. Man, if you don't get part in the spiritual family of God, you'll never get into the physical kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for allowing us the privilege to study your word that you gave us, Lord, the, 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 the prophecy of the past, present, and future that you've given us, Lord, that literally can only be done through the miraculous, and you have done that. Lord, I love you with all my heart, and forgive me when I don't. I'm an imperfect Father, I'm an imperfect pastor, and I'm an imperfect man. And we're an imperfect people in this church, Lord, but we acknowledge that. And I, I pray, God, that you would take this invitation time and just move upon the hearts of your people. We could just worship you for a few moments. I love you so very much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I tell you what, it's amazing how God orchestrates messages. I've seen it all my life. On the way to church tonight, I couldn't get the song, Don't Leave Him Hanging, out of my mind. And for a Sunday night, the cross is rarely preached, and, and Pastor did a fantastic job here tonight. If you know history, Pilate went crazy because of what he did to Jesus. Don't leave him hanging. You except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Maybe God is dealing with you tonight. I don't know. I can't look at a heart. But it was a fantastic message. I know that much. But I love this song. Let's sing Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. As we sing the last verse, search your soul tonight. Search the inner being of your heart. When Charlotte Elliott wrote the song, she was a bitter woman. She was, she would even curse out missionaries that came to visit her to witness to her. But God got a hold of her heart 
and she wrote this song. And when she died, over a thousand letters poured in about the impact of this song that affected people. This isn't just a song. This is more than a song. It's probably one of the greatest songs that's ever been penned. And it's because of the words in this song. Let's sing verse 5 and we'll close. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Can we do this before we close? Can we turn to page 272? Can we do, do the first and last verse of I'm on the winning side? Amen. And we'll close with that. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Once I drifted out in sin, had no hope, no joy within. And my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong. And I know I'm on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin. No more will I abide. I've been listed in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near, and in Him. So often I confide. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave him full control. And he plays me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin. No more will I abide. I've been listed in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side.